0: Welcome to TCC Alive, a podcast of Toleric Community Church. We're in the series called Lost, Then Found. It's the story of the Prodigal Son. And we're in Luke chapter 15. We're going to start at verse 20 today. And just to give you a little bit of review, if you weren't here last week, it's, you know this story. and We paint this picture of how this Son has done everything wrong. I mean, Jesus paints this picture of Somebody just breaks all the social etiquette, all of the, all of the uh, sins that he gets engaged in, all of these things. This is a character that you just wouldn't put any type of faith or trust in. He's like the worst son ever. And he runs away, and then comes to his senses, okay? And he says, you know what? My father's hired hands have it ten times better than I do. Why don't I just go back and say, make me one of your hired hands? And so that's where we are at the, the point of the story. And we said, as he's kind of looking back home, he must have, along the way, thought, I don't even know if my dad's going to hire me as one of the Because He just had this view of his father, that his father maybe wasn't gracious, and and, and maybe he, he wouldn't accept him. And, and he had all kinds of shame and other things that had created a barrier. Maybe he stopped along the way and says, you know, I'm just going to get a job here. I'm not going to go back home. There's too much too much guilt, too much shame, too many things that I think, there's no way I can ask my father to forgive. But in his mind, he's turning this corner. And that's usually the first step in our mind. We turn this corner and say, I can't keep running this way. I can't keep doing it. I know this is not good. I'm not quite sure what the solution is. And I'm going to try to make the solution come out of myself. I'm going to try to fix it on my own. And you got this, this place in your head that you turn that corner and you're trying to fix it. But it hasn't come to the point where he has surrendered with his heart. He hasn't said, oh, I can't fix it. My father's so gracious. He's not there yet, but he has turned this corner in his mind. All right, so let's start at verse 20. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was still... Was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven, or against God, and against you. I am no longer worthy to hold your son. The father said to him, the servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a, a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fat calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. And when he came to the house, he heard the music and the dancing. And so he called the of the servants and asked him what was going on. And he says, Your brother's gone. Brother. Your father has killed a fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. And so his father went out and pleaded with him answered his father, Look, all these years I've displayed me for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you've never gave me even a young goat so I can celebrate in my friends. But when this son of yours, who has slaughtered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill a fat cat for him. My son, of the father said, You're always with me, and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate, be glad. Because this brother of yours was dead, he's alive, and he was lost. And he's found. Reading of God's word. I have to ask you a question. We're all in this place at some point in our life. Maybe some of you are in this place right now. What is keeping you from the Father's love? What is keeping you from that fullness that you so want to feel, but you know that there's a blockage. Maybe it's in your head, maybe it's in your heart, maybe it's both. What is keeping you from the fullness of the Father's love? Like the Son. He was trying to do all these things and, and trying to make a way for himself and, and trying to kind of do it his own thing and go to a foreign country and, and then he hired himself up because he failed and then he failed at that bad. He couldn't even eat the pig's food and then he hit a wall. He hit his bottom, his rock bottom and maybe some of you have never hit that before. Maybe some of you have. But you don't have to hit rock bottom to know that's the solution. To the Father's love is not in yourself, and trying to make it right and trying to fix it. So, what is keeping you from the Father's love? Is it is it fear? That fear of not being good enough and able to do the right things, or or, or things that done in the past Maybe that you're thinking, "There's no way I can't get that out of the closet." For one, everybody is thinks I'm an, an upstanding person if I let that out. Well. There goes my reputation, there goes my business, there goes my family. God can't heal that, he can't fix that, so I keep that away, and I have to keep that as a burden in my heart, like to drag around. It's my price to pay to carry around this guilt. And you know what? That's exactly what the evil one wants you to believe. And he uses that like a chain. He's got this thing in your heart, and he just kind of pulls you around. And most of the time you're good, but then at some point he just pulls you, and it's like, whoa! React or you do things and you feel like, yeah, I'm not free. Everybody thinks I'm free. A lot of times I think I'm free, but I'm not free because I got this thing back there. That just controls me. Because it's not open. And I'm not saying share your stuff with everybody, but you gotta get it out. You gotta get it out because it's just gonna be this chain attached to your heart. So maybe it's bad. Maybe it's not you know feeling good. Maybe you think that you have to get your act cleaned up. Before you come to Jesus, some of you guys, some of you younger people, you're kind of thinking perhaps that you've got to get to a certain level in your faith with Jesus, or you've got to get a certain behavior um, modification, or you have to do certain things that are kind of in your act together before you can give your life to Jesus. 'Cause you can't come to Him all stained and dirty and broken, right? Like, oh, I, gotta, I, gotta, I gotta stop this habit, then I'll turn my life over to Him. Some of you younger people, you think, "Oh, maybe I gotta stop this habit or that habit or this addiction or that addiction." And then, and then I'll turn my life over to Jesus. But I can't come in like this. It's so embarrassing. You got it all wrong. It's actually the opposite, and I have discovered that too. I thought, oh, I just kind of clean it up. And then okay, when I get to 16, then, then, I, then I'll, have, I'll have things together a little bit. And then that didn't work out so well. then if you get to 18, like, okay, when I'm 18, that's a good age to, to kind of give my life to Jesus and you know, profess it publicly. And then oh, that, that didn't work out so well either. And I finally hit this wall, that I realized, I can't do this. The more I try to do it, the more I mess it up. I was raised in the church. A great family, but I thought that I had to somehow kind of put it together before I came to Jesus. I'm telling you, stop trying to do that. It's keeping me you from the Father's love. He's saying, "Come on, I'm right here. Just give me everything you have. All the mess just kind of go." He's not doing like that. That's a specialty, actually, making beauty out of ashes. Taking broken pieces and putting something together and healing things that you couldn't <coughs> hurt and match up. So you think God won't accept you? He says, Man, I stand at this door and I'm knocking. I'm knocking. I'm not barging in. He's knocking. He wants you to receive Him in faith. He's knocking. Just open the door. All you have to do is open the door. He comes and says, I'll prepare the meal. I'll get it all figured out. I'm going to clean up the house. I'm going to do that. I'm going to, I'm going to do a delicious meal. I'm going to make everything wonderful. I'm going to come in. I'm going to eat with you. I'm going to be your friend. It's going to be great. We're going to we're gonna be best friends. And I'm going to save you in that process. From the things you never thought you could be saved. Whatever it is, don't let it keep you. With the father's father. And the son, again, it's a process, dude. He gets to this point in his mind. He's like, I know the direction is not that way. That I've tried everything. I hit a wall. I think I should go this way. And he's got all these things sitting in his mind on the way back to his father. And he's saying, like, Okay, I'm going to say this. I'm going to say this. How many times do you think he rehearsed that speech? What he's going to say to his father? He thought he'd get the words just right, kind of like we think sometimes in prayer. And I just, I, gotta, I can't pray right. And I was like, what, what is that? It's from the heart. And, and he was just trying to get it right. And he's thinking, okay, I'm going to say this, I'm going to say this. And then maybe my father will be gracious. Because he doesn't see his father how gracious and loving and merciful he is. He thinks small about his father. And sometimes we think small about our God, about our Jesus. We think, He's only able to forget about this much. He's only this much. He's only about like this. He's only able to do this. He's like, no, oh, I'm not able to do this. If you just see me that way. And so the unexpected happens in verse 20. And when he's a long way off, and isn't that good news for us? That when we're a long way off, God is looking, he's waiting, he's watching. He's like, here he comes. Here she comes. I see her silhouette. I I see the gate of her walking. She's coming. She's coming home. And this thing that happens is so unexpected. He's watching. He's waiting. He's ready to pursue. The father again knows that his son would and had failed. He knows that. He knows that about us too, that we're going to fail. We all fall short of the glory of God. He knows this. It's not a surprise to him. He knew his son's place. Was by his side as well. But the son didn't know that yet. And so he ran to his son. Now, this is something when the Pharisees that are listening to the story. Again, we have about three people listening to the story, three kinds of people. We have the Pharisees, we have the tax collectors and the sinners, and then we have the, the disciples. People that have been around Jesus and, and, and know him. But now he's, you know, sometimes like, gosh, I like, right, understand sure what the Pharisees are saying, but. I understand what past <laughs> and sinners are saying too, because we don't fit in any category. But when the Pharisees hear that, that this father runs in the story, they're like, oh, okay, this guy, we totally to don't respect him. We told it because he gave his part of the inheritance to his son, and allowed that, and then just cracked down on his son. And then he runs to that same son who disrespected him, dishonored him, smeared the family name in the dirt squatter things. You now this father's running. And to run, a Jewish man would have to pick up his robes. To run, it'd be, be undignified. you see your thighs. And you, you know, we guys you know, we shouldn't show our thighs in, right? And so it's going a longer short. But and there was an a day. There were short shorts. You know, you know, But this is the father. He's pulling up up. And he's running, and he doesn't care who sees what. He doesn't care about his reputation. He doesn't care about his dignity. He sets it aside so that he can go to son. That's all that he's caring about. Didn't Jesus do you see that for us Do Did he? For it came to and he humbled himself. And he came and appeared to a man, and he honored himself to death, even death on the cross, even the most humiliating death of being on the cross naked. We don't see that usually. It's probably a good thing with, you know, we got the children and everything. But this is how undignified it was. They would crucify people naked. The shame, the, the scorn of that, Jesus, he he reversed that. He's like, he scorned the shame of the cross. He didn't let shame get the best of them. He says, I don't care about my reputation. I don't care about my dignity. I'm gonna lay that down and be broken in the midst of everybody. Because I love my children, and I will do whatever I can for them. Undignified, the father writes to his son. It's a beautiful picture. He's vulnerable, he sets aside his reputation, he risks. And God is waiting for us to return to him the same way. We can expect him, we can expect him that he's going to be running to us to see so much good. And then here's what happens in verse 21. The son, again, the speech that he's rehearsed, and he he starts to get out. He meets his father. He tries to get the first word in. He says, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. I'm no longer worthy. I'm a worm. He thinks that if he just thinks about himself in the lowest possible way, that somehow he'll ingratiate himself to his father's mercy. But something different is happening here in his heart. And it happens when the father responds to him. The father again doesn't let the son fix it. He's like, wait, No, wait, wait, wait. wait. Just stop right there. And the son's probably like, thinking, oh great. I'm not even gonna be to do my speech. He's just gonna send me away. But he probably doesn't think that because he saw the father write to him. Maybe running to chase him away. I don't know, but he's like, stop right there, the Father says. He doesn't let the Son fix it. We're going to see this in a moment, his response. But the Father saves us to serve. We don't, we don't serve to get saved. And he's trying to teach us to his Son and, and his Son is trying to teach that to us too. And he says, quick, quick, he didn't say, well, let's talk about this. Let's talk about this, what we're going to do with you now. You know, I mean that would have been appropriate, right? Okay, let's let's list off what you've done. Okay, you, you wish I was dead and you asked for my inheritance early. And then you, and you cashed it in. And, and then you went to a foreign country with my name and smeared a name, and, and then you squandered everything that I worked for. To give to you swallowing. I wilded and a prostitute son, Who knows to that's? And then you hired yourself out to a, foreign, a foreigner. And then you worked in a pig pen. And then you even wished that you ate that food. But you failed at that too! And then you hit your wall. And then you dare actually to go back to you. Oh, you don't see the father listening to those things and having this argument or this discussion. We just see the father saying, Quick, quick, bring the best robe. Quick, put a ring on his finger. Quick, put sandals on his feet. Quick, let's take a look back again. Now let's look at those things just for a second. What do those things represent? Whose robe would have been the best robe? It would have been the Father's robe. Just quick, look at my it. robe. The best one, made of the best silk, the best materials, and put it on him. Whoa. And then, then the ring, what would the ring that represented.. Yeah. Well, what did they do like when they sent letters and stuff? And when they, they sealed it, and then people would recognize that as, as, a, as a family crest or a family seal? Okay, that, that gave authority. That, that letter came from this family, represented, and all these other people with the family would, would have those, those seals to say we represent the, the family with authority. But this came from our family. So he says, put that on his family. Give him authority. Give him dignity, I roll, give him authority. And then what about the sandals? What's the deal with that? Yeah. Slaves don't wear sandals, right? And this is what the son's thinking. He's going to be a slave. He like, Just make me one of your servants. And the father says, No, I put the shoes on your feet. That is something that is so remarkable. This is, you're not going to be a slave. In your way of fixing things, you think that you can just kind of be self loathing, self hating, and then just say, I'm just not worthy and just kind of go through life of says, No. I, I have created you for more than this. To be my son, to put you in the place of authority, to give you dignity, to not be a slave, but to be free. To be a run, to choose in your feet, and free. It's a beautiful sign for you. Awesome thing. It doesn't matter what you do. God is waiting to celebrate your renewal. And He refuses to accept renewal on our meager terms and is adamant that we are to be called sons and daughters on his terms. They're not slaves. not an Amazing thing. I mean, the Father invites everybody to settle back. Verse 23 and 24, he invites everybody. He's like, let's <laughs> kill this fat cat. Usually sure that was reserved for really special events like a wedding or something like that. Or a coming-of-age ceremony. And here, he says, kill that cat. That really special meet that we have. And invite everybody, because everybody needs to know this story. The story of transformation, the story of lost and then found. Invite everybody. This isn't some secret we're going to keep on our family. Like, oh, yeah, did you hear about that prodigal guy? And the father kind of left him from him? Yeah, isn't that scandalous? It's not that at all. It's like, yeah, he was lost. That's part of his story. And, and now he's found. That's a bigger part of the story. And yes, the father was without his son for, but another the father has his son. And the father responded so graciously. What a cool story. And everybody needs to hear it. It's not a private thing. It's not a thing that you work out from behind the scenes. It's something that was very public. James says, confess your sins to one another, and you will be set free. <coughs> it's very public. Everybody's invited to the party. Everyone was celebrating this great thing. Now the tax collectors and the sinners that are listening to this story are saying, Whoa, this is cool. This is really great. That means we have a chance to think like that. We have a God like that that would forgive us too. Even though society tells us we're over there, we just stay over there. And we don't deserve to be anywhere else. The Father in this story is saying something different. Is God saying something different to us too, Through Jesus? What a story of hope if you're in that position. But if you're in the position of the Pharisees who have kind of earned their way in their mind and saying, yeah, that is that is not cool. Here we've worked all this time. This is where we get to the older son. But they are seeing this is totally different, aren't they? They're not seeing this party as a good thing. They're saying, we, we worked like crazy. And this is how you're going to treat this person who didn't do anything except waste your money. So let's look at that in, in conclusion. He's in the field, okay? So he's, again, hardworking. He hears the celebration from the distance and asks what's going on. And when he finds out what they're celebrating, that his lost brother, or the father's son, as he said, he not call him brother. He says, you're this son of yours. He the not brother. Who's this outsider, the one who did all these things against our family. Not just against you, Father, but against our family. Acted disgracefully, squandered and everything. Didn't work hard, and became desperate. That's the guy that's in my father's house right now? That we're celebrating. That's the guy? Here's the thing. I mean, do we only enter a relationship with people when they have their act together? Does God do that? What is our tolerance level for the rest of people? What do you think God's tolerance level is? i can speak speaking experience but in my life. we have had tremendous tolerance to be a Do we think that we're more deserving than those people out there who have slaughtered things, who maybe in our measurements didn't work hard, didn't do this, didn't do that, didn't really deserve the things that maybe we did because we weren't What do you think God thinks about? What should we think? I love this that the Father goes out. He goes out to the older son. He doesn't just stay inside and say, Oh, too bad, <laughs> yeah, He's going to be that way, he's going to have that attitude, too bad. He doesn't. He goes out to him. He goes out to the old son. He's having trouble with this. He's having real trouble with this. And so we understand this. We can see this from a, a logical standpoint. <coughs> we would have trouble with this too. Sometimes we do. But the father goes to him as well, goes out out of the house to the son. He leaves the celebration in some ways. You could say he he leaves heaven and comes down to earth and starts dealing with this, the tax collectors and sinners, also the Pharisees and those who follow the law and the way of salvation. Jesus came for a and he goes out of the house, out of the celebration, and goes to the older son. In this, we find this attitude that's pretty interesting with the older son. The older son reveals his his motivation. And it's really not so much about love, but about obligation. All these days I've been slaving for you. I do this, so you owe me this. I live a good life. Then you bless me, Father, with help, good things. Heaven. That's the deal. Makes sense, right? The older son, i kept my end of the bargain, But you have kept yours, Father. You're not playing in my paradigm. You're not, you're not playing the way that I think it should be done with this son of yours. It doesn't make sense. And you didn't even give me something to celebrate with my friends. The questions did he ever ask? or did he see the father son someone who's just hard and wanted to work and, and did want him to enjoy life? Did he realize that he didn't even have to ask? That it belonged to him. That Father said, everything I have belongs to you. You have all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to you. Jesus says, "Now go and make disciples." And sometimes we raise our hands and we say, ah, "I just gotta pray about it. I don't know if I should do it or I can't do that." I said, you have been given all authority. This older son didn't realize that he didn't have to ask. He had it already. And he could have just celebrated with his friends. Everything that the father had was his. <coughs> there wasn't grace and a freedom in his life. And then he blames his father for the lack of celebration he didn't allow in his own life. He blames somebody else for that. But the father calls himself. And he says, you're always with me. Everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate. And there's this value of heaven celebrating what was lost, then found. A value related related to the grace and the mercy of the Lord Jesus Christ. We are made in his image and belong to God. And until we acknowledge this, we're lost. It's not that we're not discovered by the Father. He knows us. He knows we are frail. He knows we're lost without him. The celebration is so sweet. When we return home, and we receive the Father's love and we see Him differently and we receive Him differently by grace. <coughs> we were dead in our sins, but alive in Christ. And that's something to celebrate. His brother was dead and is alive again. Do we see that with people in our community? Yeah, we're going to celebrate all kinds of things. As we step into the community, as we allow people to, to be in our lives in our spirit, each one of each two, as we go out and say, yes, because the Father has been so gracious to me, I want to be an image of him to other people. And I want to see this transformation that only Jesus can do with people who are lost, like me, like you. But then why? like me, like you. That's right. Father, we thank you for your graciousness and for your mercy, for your faithfulness that endures from generation to generation. You are God. Your ways sometimes don't make sense to us. They even sometimes seem unfair in light of all the things that we do and sacrifice and all the good things that that we do. But convict us, Holy Spirit, that we do those things out of love, Not an obligation. When we see ourselves maybe in the Prophet's son, the younger son in the story, and sometimes we see ourselves in the older son as well. Let us more see ourselves like the Father, as we are made in your image and created for your glory and the advancement of your kingdom.